You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. Even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. This is the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. What up, y'all? You know who it is, and I'm with my handicapping homie, Nate Dog. We're back after taking the uh, post-Super Bowl week and... Uh, NBA All-Star break off here at the Bed Slipping Podcast, and uh, we missed you guys. Nate, how you doing, buddy? How you been holding up with limited action to, to, to put on these sports games? Yeah, it's been rough. You'll be seeing me randomly bet totals of late-night Pac-12 games just to stay awake, so... Uh... Been a rough few uh, rough few weeks ever since my Bengals lost the Super Bowl, so I don't I don't know what to do with myself. Oh, I know it's 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 tough. Like I lose a little bit of juice gambling when the NFL goes away, and then I, I pick it back up uh, quick, pretty quickly after. But the NFL is king, and um, it sucks that it's no longer here to gamble on. But we'll handicap the NFL draft, and uh, we'll even talk about some Super Bowl futures looking ahead. Um, this upcoming episode we actually have a lot on the docket this episode let me set the table before we start eating like i said we'll uh open up with some super bowl futures nate has a couple uh teams or odds that he's uh looking at and we'll just talk about nba second half stuff i have a couple futures that i'm looking at and we'll talk about the phoenix suns post the chris paul injury um, then we'll uh keep it in the nba but i have a few best bets that i can give out for the thursday slate um, when the NBA picks back up uh, again this Thursday, February 24th, uh, Nate's got a, an, a college basketball play he's uh, can give out. And then we're going to talk about the Honda Classic, uh, the upcoming PGA Tour event teeing off this Thursday, at the PGA National Champion course. Um, we'll talk about that before we get out of here. Um, before we start going, though, let me just shout out to the sponsor of this podcast, Typico Sportsbook, who's a global sports betting leader. That's now live in New Jersey and Colorado. You can make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipco's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus, which you can get today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions do apply. You must be 21 or older to play. So please see Tipico's website for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. Please remember to gamble responsibly. Okay, so we'll open up with the uh, Super Bowl futures, um, which were released shortly after the Super Bowl was played. Um, where are you seeing some value looking ahead? So right now there are about three teams in most sports books that are sub plus 1,000 odds. Um, it's going to be the Bills, Chiefs, Rams. Rams usually send third at about plus 900. The Bills Chiefs are around the six, 600 to 750 range. So if you have to take of those three, in my opinion, I think the obvious favorite would be uh, the Bills. I think Josh Allen is going to take another step. I said it before last year that I love the Bills. Uh, and honestly, I think they could have been 13 seconds away from winning the championship this season. Um, I think Cincinnati going to... Buffalo is a lot different of a story than Cincinnati going to Kansas City. And I think the Chargers had 
or the uh, I think the Chiefs had more notable flaws on the roster than the Bills, especially given how good the Bills defense was. So Allen played pretty well in the postseason. He went toe to toe with Mahomes. I think their plus seven hundred is a pretty good uh pretty good odds for that, especially because when if they enter the playoffs, the one or two seed, that'll certainly be probably in like the plus four 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 fifty range. So. I like the Bills at plus 700. Um, I do have kind of a problem with putting anything over 50 bucks to a sports book for a year when you could invest it or do something or just be the same same odds in six months. So, But I do like the Bills. I got one other pick unless you got something else to go with. I usually wait until like post-free agency, post-draft to start handicapping yeah. or looking at futures. And I have actually kind of – um, backed off playing futures the last two years just because of COVID, and we didn't know like, like you know, it was very uh, like swingy on who would be in and out of lineups. Um, even last year, so I was hesitant to play futures last year, but I might pick it up this year. But again, I'll wait until post draft, post free agency. Yeah, so I have one more, and I was looking through these, and there was one that I really, really liked. And it was the Chargers at plus 2,400. And there's a couple reasons why I like that. For starters, I love the Chargers this year. And the Chargers per over the cap are coming into the offseason with the third most cap space. I'm sure they'll be losing a few guys, but they have notable holes that free agency could help them fix. They had, as we know, multiple times throughout the season, they had one of the worst rush defenses Mm -hmm. in the league. Well, you put Chandler Jones or you get Von Miller on there. You get another year of Rashawn Slater, Justin Herbert went to his third year and hopefully could take a big leap. Whereas uh, um, like the Raiders will probably take a step back and the, the Chargers are already a good team. If you, if you were in the AFC, you weren't wanting to play the Chargers in the first round of the playoffs. They didn't get in and they had a couple bad losses, but they also had some really good wins this past season. And I think at plus 2,400, it's definitely worth a shot. Uh, just kind of a shot on Justin Herbert, a shot on that team in general, and what their management can do. So uh, I think that's definitely my favorite pick. I think it's a good sleeper pick, especially – I mean, that's in the range with teams like the Cardinals and the Titans and the Patriots. I think the Chargers have far more upside than those teams. Uh, I agree. The Cardinals thing looks pretty scary. Like if you're an Arizona Cardinal fan, apparently Kyler Murray isn't happy over there. or They're not happy with him. There seems to be – um, a brewing divorce in that little marriage. I don't fully get it. I think they both kind of suck and they both should rally around the fact that they kind of suck and they need to get better together, right? Like I, I look at what K- Cliff Kingsbury did last year and I was anti-Cliff Kingsbury for years. But, I mean, I thought he did a pretty good job given, you know, given the situation, given Kyler Murray was banged up, given he lost DeAndre Hopkins. And they were the best team by – most metrics for first like eight weeks of the season. Yeah. They for were the all, first oh, like 13. Seven. Yeah. For like the first, I don't know. For like the first, yeah. For we'll say first half of the season, they were, they were like really one of the better teams in the league. So, I mean, if they stay healthy, I, um, and just, I feel like continue their continuity. Like it took the Rams, obviously they got Matthew Stafford, but it took them years to break through and win that Super Bowl. And like, like, I think it's, it's naive and kind of crazy for Kyler Murray or the Cardinals to think they're better than the Rams or are, should be on a faster track than the Rams. So, um, but other than that, or despite like, um, or like when you like think about their issues, 
I would agree with you that the Chargers are the best and like that second or third tier of favorites. Um, yeah, because like I said, you have that top tier at the plus one thousand. But if you're giving me the the Cowboys at plus sixteen hundred, I'd rather have the Chargers at plus twenty four hundred. I think there's at least some value there. Yeah. Again, I'm not sure. I wouldn't take it this early, but I mean, if they snag a Von Miller, or Chandler Jones, and free agency, you may not see that number again. Yeah, I don't know if they move the number like that. But I, I, I don't. I'm. I don't know what does move the number, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it'd have to be like a cluster signing of like several key uh, free agents. And I mean, I'm not sure like what free agents they could add that would improve their shitty run defense. Like yeah. you guys did a pretty good job a couple off seasons ago, but that took like 20 plus games of developing before your defense really was good right and it got more good towards the latter half of last year so like who knows what the chargers look like but i think there is some value on him because he's still around the chargers because you got herbert on the rookie the rookie contract so you can kind of build up around him at least that's the idea uh you got keenan allen who's still flirting with his prime or around his prime you got joey bosa and D- uh, derwin james or two of the best players at their position on defense. So I don't hate that. I mean, the one team I was looking at, and again, it's all like early. It's a little too early for me, but I'm only looking at long shots. I kind of like the Colts at plus 2,500. I mean, obviously, obviously the way they, they they were going to be my second sleeper. They were close. I just, I'm a little out of the loop with the whole Carson Wentz thing. I, I, I feel like I've saw, I've seen headlines where he could be on the move. And you could say what you want about Carson Wentz. You got to find someone better than him, right? Like I don't know who the backup is for Indiana or uh, Indianapolis, but he's certainly not better than Carson Wentz. So like, I don't know, just getting rid of him and going to like the field or whoever. I don't know about that, but like if I have the same roster from the Colts last year coming into this year, like I think plus twenty five hundred is pretty good. They were like everyone's sleeper team before they choked to Jacksonville. So, and that's a good point because the other thing is we know that there's going to be potentially a lot of uh, quarterbacks on the move. Uh, where's Rogers going to go? Where's Russell Wilson going to go? So say they do move on and they almost get that guarantee from Wilson. I mean, that's almost that could be some offseason news where you don't see the twenty five hundred again there. Maybe it moves up to fifteen hundred or whatever. And the the Wilson thing is interesting to me because the Seahawks are plus four thousand to win the Super Bowl. And I think that's pricing in the possibility of Russell Wilson leaving. But what if, what if he stays? I feel like plus four thousand with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson isn't a bad ticket to have. But I mean, it's just all in flux. And like, who knows what happens? The other person that's hanging around out there is Deshaun Watson. I mean, what if he goes to Tampa Bay? What if he goes to Pittsburgh? Right? What do they look like? Um, I mean, Tampa Bay with Deshaun Watson instantly is just a huge favorite to in the NFC South. Like they're going to be pretty much just like you're going to cakewalk into the, into the, the playoffs and, and that garbage division. So, I mean, it's, it's, I will, I will say you make a really good point with the Steelers. Cause I also think their management doesn't think they're in a rebuild mode. They're not going, they don't have a top pick. There's not even a top quarterback in this draft. If they want to go anything above seven and 10, it, but but at the same time, if they if they get Watson, they're instantly like a like a twelve and five team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they have the they have a top five, top ten defense. I mean, 
And those are those are kind of the moves you're talking about. What moves could alter it? The Chargers may not have moves within that cap space unless they somehow get Devontae Adams, which is they have Keenan Allen. Um, they may not have many moves to alter that line. So maybe it's just right now we're really talking about where can you find value in lines that will move. And the Steelers would be one. If you told me the Chargers defense, rush defense, went from the worst in the league to below average, I would love this bet, honestly. Like, that's that's how much I think of Herbert, right? Like, that's how, like, good the offense and tight looked with him. That if, like, they just get a close to average rush defense, like, that's going to be a, a, a pretty decent ticket, but... At least on my end, it's mostly conjecture because I'm not making a bet on any Super Bowl futures yeah. until post, um, post draft and post free agency. So that's where I'll kind of leave it. If we want to move over to the NBA real quick, yep. you want to start with the futures or the games? No, we'll start with the futures. And I, the the biggest story that I think me and you should just comment on and talk about is is the Phoenix Suns and and Chris Paul getting injured, um, having a a fractured thumb or a fractured bone in his hand that's gonna put them out at what is it six to eight weeks and then they're going to reevaluate so yeah, i'm pretty much zagging on the market on this and i'm i'm like i am going to fade the shit out of phoenix like uh, all down the stretch i have no problem betting against them like there it, it seems like the market and a lot of like sports gamblers who i don't think are necessarily sharp in the nba maybe they're just like good commentators or whatever but like a lot of people are just I don't know. Like they're treating Phoenix like they're a dynasty, like they're a proven thing. Like they went to the finals last year. I thought they got a little lucky. They played Lakers without Anthony Davis. They played the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard, who ended up losing Paul George. They played the Nuggets without uh, Jamal Murray. So like they got a little lucky. And then they played a healthy Bucks team and they lost. And I have no pushback on them being the best regular season team this year, but. That is because of Chris Paul. And like the quality of Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, and DeAndre Ayton's looks, they plummet with him off the floor. Like, I don't know who's gonna get them their offense. Devin Booker's awesome. Awesome. But he doesn't get he doesn't make anyone else better. He doesn't create looks for anyone else. He's more of like, you know, his own he's in his own world. And, you know, that sounds that sounds crappier than I I, I mean it to be, but like I think, I think, I think Phoenix is, they're not going to, they're probably not going to lose the one seed because they're six and a half games up with 21 to go. And I don't see that big of a plummet, but they, they, to me are a team that's roughly around the plan in the West without Chris Paul. Like, I think they're like a six or seven seed without Chris Paul. So like in upcoming matchups against maybe the New Orleans Pelicans, whose back is against the wall and they need to win to get to the 10th seed. And they're a team that's been playing pretty good over the past like month or so. Like I'll take, I'll take the Pelicans over the Phoenix Suns. I think they play the Utah Jazz this Sunday. I'll take the Jazz over the Suns almost regardless of what the line is. I'm not even looking at it right now. So I think the loss of, like, I, I don't, I don't know how anyone would argue with it, but the loss of Chris Paul is absolutely massive. And the biggest thing that everyone talks about with Phoenix this year and a key to their success has been their crunch time stuff, right? Like they're 21 and three, I think in crunch time, they have by far the, the best uh, net rating in the clutch, but like that's Chris Paul. Like I got, 
I've said this a million times already on this podcast, but I got hired the same year. I got hired by the Los Angeles Clippers the same day they traded for Chris Paul, right? The whole, my, uh, my whole Clippers, um, employment tenure, I watched Chris Paul live and I watched this dude ice games down the stretch. Like that's what he does in the regular season. He's the greatest clutch player in the regular season I've ever seen with my own two eyes. So just, Taking him off that team, like they're going to lose those clutch time games, those games that come down to the final possession. So, I don't know. Do you do you have any problem with that? I mean, how do you do you think that they're going to be able to kind of weather the storm without Chris Paul? Like, there's talks about how they could survive a first round series without him. No, no fucking way. No way did they survive the first. I, I won't go no way, but I, I would bet against them in the first round. What are your, some of your thoughts? To anything I just said. Well, it's interesting you say that because I uh, I was looking at the Western Conference state, and I actually think the Western Conference is a little more top-heavy than we think. I think there's definitely a chance that the Suns would survive a Timberwolves. They'd survive a Clippers. Now, I think they're in trouble if they face a pissed-off LeBron James or a pissed-off Anthony Davis. If, if the Lakers get healthy and they get that eight and the Suns are at the one without Chris Paul, that's upset alert. That's That could be ugly. But in terms of losing the one seed, like you said, I don't think there's any chance. Uh, six and a half games is too much, and there's only, what, 20, 23 left. Um, the other point that I think I would make is it's it's only supposed to be six to eight weeks. I know it'll be reevaluated, but it's also not it's not an MCL sprain. It's not a fractured ankle. It's, it's really just a – is it a ligament thing or is it a fractured thumb? I think it's a fractured thumb. It's a broken bone in his hand, which he's missed playoff time for. But I, I kind of like that more than like a like a linger. It doesn't feel like it's as lingering. Is I, I guess that's my point. Is it's not I'm not sure I would go as far as fading them in the playoffs yet. Maybe on a game specific basis. But if they look ugly against the Jazz in a week without Chris Paul, I'm pretty sure they're going to be pretty inexpensive the rest of the way. Oh, okay. So you think if they get housed by the Jazz, it's gonna it's gonna reduce their price moving forward. I mean, if they start, if they lose two or three straight games without Chris Paul, you may not get Suns minus. I, I, I'm pretty sure they they kick off the game with the with the Thunder, right? I think that line's already out. Yeah, it's nine and a half. I looked at that earlier. Most books have it at yeah. nine and a half, and the Thunder are the best covering team in the NBA. Yeah. I, that's all I'm gonna say about it. Yeah, I I tried I tried to like talk myself into taking the thunder. I couldn't even do it. <laughs> and they're at home. Their record at home. Their covering record at home is literally absurd. Yeah, I I know, but man, I feels like a, I I just I'm nervous about OKC because they did this exact same thing last year, and then they pulled the greatest or biggest tank shit we've ever seen. Like they lost. I think like 22 of their last 23 games last year. Like they pretty much gave up in like an epic, epic way. Um, I'm looking at their, yeah, as a home underdog, they're four, 14, eight and four against the spread this year. OKC is, but I just can't get there with them on, on uh, against Phoenix on Thursday, but keeping it in the West, the one team that I do I, I see value in actually, and this, this price is all over the place. But I'm looking at the Los Angeles Clippers to win the West. It's plus 5,000 at some books. It's plus 3,000 at Tipico. And I guess there's um, um, Kawhi Leonard said something to the effect of like he feels pretty good on his knee and he's he thinks he can make a return this year. And he also, I guess he opted in 
uh, or took an extension because he wanted to guarantee his money, and and, and him taking the extension seems to bring more confidence or or um, mean that there's a better chance that he actually suits up the season. But, like, the Clippers, they're insanely stacked at wing if they get Kawhi Leonard and or Paul George back. And last season, heading into the playoffs, they were the greatest shooting team ever. They had the highest three-point percentage ever and the highest free-throw percentage ever. They got to the Western Conference Finals without Kawhi Leonard, and they lost Paul George in the middle of the Western Conference Finals against the Phoenix Suns. I like Clippers, and again, if you can get it at plus 5,000, like, Grant, like obviously we're gambling or taking a flyer because if Kawhi Leonard or Paul George get announced out for the season, like, you can rip up the ticket. It's over. My bad. But, I mean, if I'm taking that number now because if there's any chance they come back, like, holy shit, I... The Clippers are the best team in the West. The Clippers, in my opinion, are the best team in the league with those with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So, I mean, plus five thousand is just a juicy ticket. Do you have any Clippers? Yeah, I'm thoughts? reading this right now, and it says uh, the team's cautiously optimistic about a return. Kawhi, quote unquote, feels a lot better. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I didn't see that report, but yeah, that's a sick little value. But again, it's so. And at what level can they return? I mean, Kawhi already had so much load management, but they they get the days off in the playoffs. You never know. I think, yeah, you're you're onto something. Yeah, I mean, and and the books are reacting like Tipico's at Clippers plus three thousand. You can find Clippers plus five thousand. So no one really knows what to do with this news. They're like, kind of like, oh shit, like, uh, could he, he could come back? So. I don't know. It's it's a gamble, of course. I mean, that's what we're doing here. But I, I kind of like – I see value in the Clippers plus 5,000. And um, on the East, the team that I see value in, I don't know if you have any final uh, Western Conference thoughts. No, it's funny you say that because both of my NBA futures, both of my favorite, uh, like the ones I looked at and analyzed, both East. Okay. So, all right, what are your two then? I'm going to go with one of them. I'm pretty sure you're going to talk about the Raptors, right? Maybe? No, no. I like that. I took them to win the Atlantic at plus 2,000 a couple of weeks ago. And that, I don't, they just don't have enough enough depth, I think, to make it out of the out of the East. Yeah. So one of the ones that I like, and this is where the play-in tournament really, really gets spicy because it's the seven through 10 seeds. You can get a lot of them. Two of the four are going to make the playoffs. You can get a lot of them at plus money right now to make the playoffs. So right now, I'm looking at the Hawks at plus 170 to make the playoffs, and they're currently the number 10 seed. They're nine and a half games in. They probably won't get up to the seven. They could get up to the to the eight with the Nets sitting there. They're 2.5 games behind the Nets. So the Hawks, for starters, they have the 26th easiest schedule in the league remaining, and they arguably would have the best score in the play-in tournament except for Durant. Obviously, we don't know really what. Durant's uh, availability is going to be. They assume he's going to be back. But the other point that I was seeing is Clint Capella, John Collins, and Bogdanovich. So Capella and Collins have missed eight games. Bogdanovich has missed 18. They just they haven't been at full strength. And we saw what they could do last year. I mean, they they took the Sixers. They beat the Sixers. They beat a Joel Embiid Sixers team. I mean, granted, they did have Ben Simmons, and they were going through all that. But the Sixers were still the number one team in the East last season. So uh I think they they have a good chance, especially if maybe Boston falls. I think they could take down Boston. And they have a 4-2 and two record against Charlotte and Boston combined this season. So, uh, I mean, a plus 170, it's a bet I find some value in. All right. The uh, the only bet 
the only like future that I see value in in the East, not the only one, but the main one is I, I would take the Bulls at plus fifteen hundred um, to win the East. And I've heard a lot of like post All Star game second half look aheads, and I've heard really no one mention the Bulls. And they're tied for first in the Eastern Conference, despite dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. Um, I mean, like key injuries, cluster injuries of their backcourt. And right now they have the six best odds. Um, Boston jumped ahead of them at plus 1,100 because they've been balling since the beginning of the year. And Miami's plus 500 with them, and they're both tied for the first spot in the Eastern Conference. Um, But Chicago's regular starting five, Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Vucevic, are um, scoring plus 20.6 points per 100 possessions, which is in the 89th percentile of five-man lineups, according to Cleaning the Glass. They're getting players back with Lonzo Ball, Alex Caruso, and don't don't forget Patrick Williams, who just adds defensive depth to their wing, which is huge. Another body they can throw at a Kevin Durant, um, a Pascal Siakam, obviously Giannis. Um, and, and I thought the, I think the injuries of their backcourt have been like good in the sense that it's helped the IO DeSuma. I might've met, mispronounced that they've helped him develop. He's looked really good over the past couple weeks and Kobe white has settled into his role off the bench. He's, he's shooting 51% from three in February and 40% this season. Like he is an awesome six man for them. And and they're deep, and they also have the second best clutch net rating in the league. They're pl- they're twenty and eleven straight up in clutch situations, so they can win close games. And I'm not gonna bet it right now because I actually think that when the playoff starts, unless like the Bulls were to like pull out way out in front in the first in the East, like I think their price is gonna be pretty much the same. Like why? What what reduces their price significantly? If they're first in the East right now and they're plus fifteen hundred, with you know Philly probably getting better with James Harden playing, um, you think Milwaukee's gonna you know, figure itself out, figure itself out a little bit better down the stretch. Boston's look good. Why does Chicago's price get much worse? So I think I can get it in the playoffs at like plus eleven hundred, plus twelve hundred, and I can see this whole team. At that point, so I like the Bulls at plus fifteen hundred right now, but I'll I'll probably wait until closer to the playoffs. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I was actually one of my better bets was going to be, I was looking at all the metrics, I was kind of figuring out what I want to attack here, and the one that I had settled on, I thought I'd settled on was Bulls plus one ninety to win the Central, because they're. Couple games ahead of Milwaukee right now. Milwaukee's been playing so well. I think that's priced in. Milwaukee was plus one hundred, but the team that I think I'm going to go with, and again, it kind of brings back to this, uh, the strength of schedule just a little. But so the Cavaliers, they're coming off All Star weekend. They had some All Stars. Looked like they had a great time. The camaraderie's there, and they're clearly trying to win now with the addition of Rondo after losing Rubio. So they're plus two eighty to win the Central, and I think that's something that I would sprinkle on. So. One of the reasons it does have to do with the strength of schedule. So Milwaukee ranks number one uh, strength of schedule. They have the Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Bulls three times. So then the Bulls, I was like, all right, sweet. That opens up a great plan for the Bulls to win the Central. Well, the Bulls have the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Heat twice, the Jazz. And then you go down, you look at Cleveland. Cleveland's 22nd. Cleveland doesn't play a team that is currently top four in the West again this season. 
Like they Damn. don't play a single one. They don't play Utah. They don't play Golden State, Phoenix, or Memphis. They don't play any of them. Okay. And that's going to be huge moving forward when the the best team that you face in the other conference is going to be Dallas. And given that the quote-unquote is defense wins championships and the Cavaliers' length has been giving teams problems all season, ranked top three in defense, I think I would side with them getting some wins down the stretch. And like I kind of started with, I also think the All-Star weekend being in Chicago could give them a little boost. Uh, we Wait, saw in Cleveland, you're talking about in Cleveland. Yeah. 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 Too many, you. too many cities with the C's, but uh, yeah. 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 I think they have a good little trio running the skills challenge. I think that was a good little boosted morale for whatever that's worth. But uh, I just think their schedule is too easy. I mean, they have basically four easy ones with Orlando and Detroit twice each. So uh, I think there's a little value with them in third place to, I, I wouldn't say they're they're good enough or have the experience to win anything in the playoffs now, but I think in the regular season down the stretch they could streak together some wins. I think the the strength of schedule point is a strong handicapping angle, and I like that. Um, I actually have some best bets in the NBA uh, for Thursday, February twenty fourth. If you want to get over to that, yep, go for it. I got one, and it's for uh, Friday. Okay, well, I'm fading your Atlanta Hawks, and I'm back in my Chicago Bulls here. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm laying the four and a half with the Bulls it at happens. home against the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I mean, you could still win your bet, and the 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 Bulls could still cover Thursday against the Hawks. But uh, the Bulls put up 130 and 131 in a home and away back to back against Atlanta earlier this season, uh, December 27th and the 29th. Both were Bulls victories. Um, and I really like the, the the one matchup that I'll spotlight here is Vucevic versus Clint Capella. Just because Clint Capella is such a defensive force and rebounding force, but Vucevic is like a, you know, he's a former all-star and a legitimate big man who can just eat up Capella's bandwidth and make him like less effective and help defense and maybe crash in the glass or or even cleaning up the glass on the defensive end. And Vucevic has played very well against Atlanta in their first two meetings this season. He averaged uh, 20 points per game, 18 and a half rebounds per game um, in those two games, and has a plus 21 net rating. Also, it's just a, it's like a much better spot for Chicago. Chicago 17 and seven against the spread as a home favorite. They're 12 and four against the spread at home versus losing teams, and six and three against the number one laying three to four and a half points. And it's a terrible spot for Atlanta. They're a terrible road team, 10 and 18 um, against the spread on the road, six and 12 against the spread as a road road dog. They're four and 10 on the road, ATS versus winning teams. They're three and 13 against the spread in their last 16 versus teams with a, an above 60% winning rate. So I'm going with the bulls. Um, you know, I, um, they match up really well with them, and, and the, the absence of John Collins uh, for Atlanta, I think, will loom kind of large for them in this matchup. So I'll go with the Bulls minus four and a half. What's the one bet you like? You said a Friday game? Yeah, so uh, it's the Miami Heat versus the New York Knicks, and I'm not sure what the what the total's going to be yet, but whatever it is, I'm going under it. Really, I have play until 212. I think it could be lower than 212 potentially, but I'm thinking last time, they met there was a combined shoot i just add this combined uh, 206 points uh the heat and the knicks ranked 28th and 29th in pace respectively which is a huge indicator of how a team's going to cover especially when two extremely slow paced teams play each other 
Uh, on the offensive end, the Knicks have been worse than it seems with 25th best nest rating, even though they added Fournier and Kemba Walker to kind of provide more def- or offensive structure. So it's mainly been Mitchell Robinson and his impact defensively, where they ranked 17th in that in that area. Now, for granted, the Knicks after last season kind of gave all these uh, kind of gave all these vibes that they would actually be good. But uh, <laughs> so they've they've struggled this season. And the other thing that I saw is both teams ranked top 15 in threes, but also both teams ranked top 15 in opponents three point percentage. So I really expect defense to be on display here and. Whatever the whatever the total is, I'm probably going to hopefully ride on it. Hopefully, go under it. Yeah, it's probably going to be around two oh five. That would be my guess, not two twelve. The last three totals for these uh, Knicks Miami game, it was two oh two January twenty sixth, and then last year it was two oh six and a half and two oh seven and a half. Um, yeah, so two oh five may have me rethinking everything though. Yeah, you thought you were gonna get a two twelve. That I was gonna get like a like give me like a two oh eight. Yeah, no, it's gonna be a sharper. It's gonna be a sharper. It's two oh five point five. Yeah, I don't know. Well, have the last the last couple weeks for the Knicks. Hold on, they have the. They've been crushing it for the Knicks. No, they're one and six straight up. Uh, yeah, yeah, they've for been the last two weeks, but they've been crushing the totals. Oh, you, uh, well, they have been playing bad defense, if that's what you mean. Uh, crushing how? Going under or, or, or um, going under? They've or, been going over, which is why I kind of expected this to be a higher higher end. Okay, well, Miami's playing great defense as of late, and um, um, New York doesn't play good on either side of the court, honestly. Um, I'm pulling up their game logs now, right now. Uh, yeah, right they're now. Uh, they're overs four and five in their last five. I kind of figured it would be higher, but yeah, two oh two oh five would be a rough one to pull on, pull for. Well, let's hope you get your two oh eight. That's your buy price. We'll leave it at that, right? Two oh eight buy yeah. price. Give me two oh eight, and I'll still take the under. Anything over two oh eight, I would probably shy away from, just in general. Gotcha. Um, the second best bet that I have on my um, NBA card for Thursday is I'm going with the Memphis Grizzlies uh, minus two and a half points right now, at least according to Tipico. It's all over the place. Also, uh, I know a lot of our listeners aren't based in New Jersey or Colorado, so they don't even have access to Tipico. And even if you are, um, be sure to like shop around for the best price when we're giving out these picks. You know, Do your due diligence. Try to get the best number. Um, um, obviously, if Tipico has it, it would be great if you uh, – got there through this podcast but just i just want you guys to get the best of the number but i'm taking the grizzlies i guess minus two and a half right now um i'd play it up to minus three and a half really against the minnesota timberwolves these guys play a pretty similar identity or they have a similar identity play a similar play a similar style just grizzlies are a lot more efficient uh both force mad turnovers but memphis turns the ball over a lot less uh, Minnesota gives up a ton of points off of turnovers and Minnesota is actually dead last in defensive rebounding rate, which is really bad when playing Memphis because they're first and second chance points per game and first and offensive rebounding rate. Also Memphis just crushes it as a road favorite. They're nine and two against a spread plus 6.7 ATS differential. Um, as a home favorite or as a road favorite this year, they're eight and four ATS on the road versus winning teams. Whereas Minnesota's four and five ATS as a home dog, uh, the minus two point nine ATS differential, and they're just two and six ATS when laying one 
or when spotted one and two and a half points. So I'll go with the Grizzlies mostly because, again, they play a similar style. Just the Grizzlies are much better. Um, you have a, a college basketball player thoughts to um, express, right? Yeah, so we got a three. I believe it's three. I think the rankings changed a little this week. I have three top 25 matchups on Saturday. So, again, it's Saturday, so we're, I'm going to be given odds I would play them at, not necessarily official odds. So the two I'm going to talk about are Auburn at Tennessee and Kentucky at Arkansas. So Kentucky's coming off a pretty big win over Alabama at home. Now they're going to take to the road to play Arkansas. Arkansas is top 25, and I would play Arkansas up to two-and-a-half-point favorites. Again, Kentucky's a top-five team, and they are on the road. So I think Arkansas should – it should be around a pick It might be Arkansas maybe 4.5 favorites. Either way, so there are several reasons I'm going to back Arkansas here, and the trends speak volumes about why I would back them. So they're 1-0 and as home underdogs. I'm not sure they'll be underdogs here, but they definitely could be. They're 3-0 and against the spread against ranked teams, and they're 15-1 and outright at home. Kentucky's best two perimeter defenders could be out. Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler, neither of them practiced Monday, and they missed Saturday's game versus Alabama. Then another point is if they're both out, they're the best two perimeter defenders. Arkansas's leading score is a six-foot-one guard who's a senior averaging 18.5 points per game. So couple that with the size. So Arkansas has a six foot ten center, and Kentucky has probably the best rebounder in college right now. And Oscar, I'm pretty sure it's Tashibi, but um, he's averaging over 15 points, 15 rebounds per game. So having having someone over six seven, which some teams you'd be surprised, some teams don't play really really play people over six nine, over six eight, six nine. So having a consistent six foot ten center in there, combine it with the skill of their guards, combine it with how good Arkansas has been at home, and I think I would take them up to probably minus four and a half here. I think they're gonna. They're going to have a good game at home, and I think the market's going to be on Kentucky, especially after a big home win. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Let's get into uh, the second one real quick, and then we'll talk about our Honda Classic. So the second one I, I wanted to feature is uh, Auburn at Tennessee, and I think this is, as we've talked about some before, I think this is a really good get-right game for Auburn. So Tennessee should be getting some love. They're the home team, and honestly, Auburn's been horrible on the road. And that's how that's partially defined their season. However, while they've been horrible on the road, they're still seven and two. It's just for a team of their caliber, you expect them to cover and be better on the road. They had that close, close win against Georgia where they didn't cover. So on the season, they're 18, eight and one against the spread, and they've been covering by an average of 2.8 points per game. Uh, so they've covered just one of their last five. Auburn should be a cheap play here. It should almost be a pick 'em, if not Auburn as underdogs as Tennessee's been lighting it up. So I think they're going to be a good value play. I think it's a get-right spot for the Tigers. All right, man. Cool. So Auburn Tigers up to what? Up to, I would say, probably minus 2.5. They were they were 3.5 at Florida, and Florida was – and they were unranked, and they haven't had a good season, and Florida beat them. Mm-hmm. So I think it could honestly be Tennessee, 2.5, 3.5. So I like the Tigers, especially as underdogs here. And Arkansas Razorbacks versus Kentucky up to two and a half. Yeah, the Razorbacks that that's going to be a trap line for people trying to bet trying to bet the top the top Wildcats on the road. Maybe not really realizing they're down their best players, but yep, those are my two college picks. 
All right, let's uh, finish this podcast off by popping your golfing gambling cherry. You've never bet on golf, right? Yeah, so really starting to get me into the degenerate lifestyle. So I spent all day. So for those that don't really know me, I work in insurance. (laughs) If you don't know insurance, we're just basically old white dudes that golf. Like that's just like, that's, that's even the general stigma around insurance. Like, just think about it. Insurance, like nothing's fun there, but they all golf. So I went to the driving range yesterday and I started talking. I was like, Hey, like, I'm going to start betting golf. And I got probably the opinion of like five people that are huge into betting golf. And I was like, all right, this is the consensus. My consensus is that CT pan is going to be a top 20 golfer this weekend. I don't hate it. It's a, it's a, it's a golfer I looked at too. And he's trending in the right direction. So let me here. You can you can give your takes. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure you got some pretty strong takes. Let me get my YCT Pans a top golfer. So he's at plus 280. So back in 2019, he won his first major, his only major, and that course was 41 yards longer than the PGA National. I'm not. I'm still trying to figure out which numbers I want to which stats. I've been reading up on it. So he's also starting to find his rhythm in uh, 2022. He finished ninth in the Guinness. Genesis Open, Genesis Open uh, this past weekend. And although he hadn't played well coming up to that, he, he was top 10 there. And he also has a ton of experience on this course. So he was tied for third last year. And uh, apparently there's a pretty tough trio of holes on this course. So him having played the last few years here should bode well for him. Also, it's pretty weak field. There's only two top 15 players. So uh, getting pan at Top twenty at plus uh, plus two eighty is a pick that I'll take. I don't hate it actually. It's someone that I looked at too. So the Honda the Honda Classic is um, a kind of a lamer uh, PGA Tour stop or PGA event. Um, last week was the Genesis Invitational. It was hosted by Tiger Woods. It had all the top golfers in the world. It was just a who's who tournament. This one, this field has one hundred forty four players, and uh, I, I only count eleven golfers in the top fifty of the. Uh, official world golf rankings. Um, it's played at PGA national champion, uh, resort, which is in Florida. It starts the Florida swing for the PGA tour. It's a Jack Nicholas course. It's a par 70, 7,125 yards. There's actually water hazards on 14 holes or 15 holes, which makes driving accuracy pretty important. Also, there's a lot of sand traps or a decent number of sand traps. Um, there's the scoring variance, or the uh, stats that were most important to the the different scores, I guess, whatever scoring variants. Last year at the Honda the Honda Classic were stroke uh, strokes gained by approach or iron play. Um, it's actually the toughest course on the PGA, um, uh, or it's the toughest course. I think forty tracked courses um, by strokes gained for approach, so iron play. Um, also the eighth toughest off the tee and fourth toughest by, um, par three, um, um, you know, par three. So either way, the defending champions, Matt Jones, he won with minus 12 last year. The, the, the field is more improved this year than last year, but I'm still looking at like the middle tier of, um, golfers, uh, as to where I'm going to put my money, at least for outrights. I have one head to head that I just hammered this morning. Um, but my two outrights that I like, I like Denny McCarthy and I like Lucas Glover. Now I'm going to be candid here. I'm also learning how to golf on the fly 
or learning how to uh, bet golf on the fly. You know, like I don't, I've gambled on like everything in my life, honestly, like, like horses, poker. I'm, I'm a sick poker player, actually, obviously sports been doing this for years. Um, so I'm just applying my like depth of gambling knowledge to golf handicapping. So like what I mean by that is if I bet a golfer to win, I'm at, I'm also going to bet him top 20. And I look at it as like a horse racing betting type strategy. Like you bet a, a horse to win, place, or show. So that way if he wins, you scoop a whole bunch. But if he gets in second or third, you could still win. Like my opinion on this, like if I bet Denny McCarthy as an outright at plus 6,000 and he gets third and I win no money, I'm going to be pissed. I'm only pissed I spent all that time handicapping this and I was off by a couple of strokes. So I split a unit. The way I did it is I put uh, three-fourths of a unit at Denny McCarthy top 20 at plus 290 and a quarter unit on Denny McCarthy to win outright at plus 6,000. And I think he's got an inflated price because he missed the cut at this event from 2018 to 21, but he turned pro in 2015. So he's mad young, and the first time he made an appearance at the Honda Classic was 2018. So he sucked in his first three or four Honda Classics, but he tied for third last year. He was plus strokes gained and approach around the green with the putter, off the tee, and tee to green. And he's also got the third best strokes gained in this field over the plus 20 rounds. Plus, we were just talking about how important driving accuracy and uh, is going to be with all the watered hazards and there are sand traps so scrambling and sand save percentage are high that's where Denny McCarthy excels he's 13th on the tour in drive accuracy percentage so he hits a lot of fairways and he's third in scrambling percentage so he's really good at getting out of the sand traps also he's the only guy in the top 25 odds in this tournament that's outside of the top 150 in official world golf rankings. So what that tells me is that like the odds makers think regardless of his world golf ranking, like he's going to show up and put on a pretty good performance. So I'm going to sprinkle on him plus 6,000 to win the Honda Classic outright, and I'm going to take him plus um, 290 to get top 20. And the other outright that I like, I'm going to take the Englishman, Lucas Glover, He's plus 7,000 um, outright, so I'll sprinkle a quarter unit on that, and I'll take him top 20 um, at plus 360 on three quarters of a unit. Now, you got to shop around for these prices. They're at different books. A couple of them are at Typico. A couple of them are at FanDuel. Whatever. Shop around. But he's had a solid performance at the PGA National Champion course. He was tied for fourth in 2019, tied for 19th in 2021. He had a plus strokes gained. Um, at the, at, at, or he has a plus strokes gained at this course and a plus strokes gained versus expectation. He's got the ninth best strokes gained by approach in this field. And we just talked about how, how tough the PGA national course is, um, for approach. Also, he's fourth in greens in regulation on the tour. And he has the, he's the third best ball striker 
in this tournament. So ball striking's key because you got to be accurate. You don't want to you don't want to hit these these thick roughs or obviously get in the water and obviously getting on the green will help. Especially he needs to get it on the green as soon as possible because he's shit with the putter and that's how he could lose her. That's how he uh, misses the top twenty. So. Those are my two head-to-heads, Denny McCarthy and Lucas Glover. Do you have anything else in the Honda Classic, or can I give my my? Um, or those are my two outrights. Can I give my one head-to-head? Yeah, no, keep keep at it. I like it. <laughs> All right, so CT pan for me. <laughs> I put a fat I put a fat bet on this this morning, but I took Russell Knox minus one twelve over Matthew Wolf. Now again. I'm applying a whole bunch of like gambling bullshit to this. So I'm essentially fading Matthew Wolf's popularity. This guy is an up and coming star, Nate. He won the Division I Golf Championship, NCA Golf Championship in 2019. His first year on the tour, he won the 3M Open. It was actually his second month on the tour, and he beat out Bryson DeChambeau and, and Marikawa by one stroke. So everyone's going nuts on him. He's he's sick, and he looks the part. Um, he tied for fourth in the PGA Championship in 2020 and tied uh, was second in the U.S. Open for 2020. But they have the same odds, Russell Knox and Matthew Wolf. Russell Knox is... Um, um, He's 230th in the world golf rankings, and and um, Matthew Wolf is 35th. So one golfer is like a top tier golfer. He's plus 65 or plus 3500 to win the tournament. Matthew Wolf is Russell Knox is plus 6500. Yet they have the same odds. How could that be? Right? It would suggest to me that the odds makers are trying to entice people to take Matthew Wolf. That's how I'm reading it, right? So that's the foundation of my handicap. If I'm wrong, I'm screwed, right? Whatever. But I have more to it, dude. I do. I think Knox's game fits the PGA National Championship course. And and I think that's evident in the pricing, right? Like how could Knox be at equal price with a golf a golfer that he that is way better than him? Way better at way more popular, right? Well, Wolf is 126 in this field and strokes gained at this course versus expectation. So he is significantly underperformed expectation. Ball striking. Knox is 15th on the tour in ball striking, third in this event, and he's better shot uh, with strokes gained off the tee. Wolf is tied for 55th on the PGA Tour in ball striking, driving accuracy. Knox crushes Wolf. 21st on the tour, Wolf, 183rd on the tour, strokes gained approach, Knox is um, third in the field, plus uh, uh, .806 strokes gained in approach, Wolf is 75th in this field, at minus uh, .115, so Knox's game fits this course, I think the pricing just screams take take uh, Matthew Wolf. They're begging for for us to take Matthew Wolf, so I'm fading it. And again, I put a big big number on it, but I like Russell Knox over Matthew Wolf. Um, and another bet that I put in with my bookie that I can't even really <laughs> I don't th- I can't find these odds anywhere. But I took Sepp Straka over Dylan Fratelli. So if you guys can find that, take Sepp Straka over Dylan Fratelli, just because Sepp Straka is trending much better, has played a lot better at this tournament, and everything else is pretty much the same. Like these guys are equal in every other way. Just Straka's playing better, and he plays better at this course. So. 
that's my Honda classic stuff. I'll tweet it out too because I might add an outright. I might add head to heads. I had a just a fat Genesis card last week. I ended up losing a few units, but I'll put out more bets and follow me on Twitter for those. Do you have any other golf, Honda Classic, or sports betting thoughts, angles here? So I don't necessarily have any thoughts, but I will say if you're into soccer betting, you should read up on our sportsbook wire because if the scores stand, I think both teams are in like the 85th minute right now, like as we're talking. I put a... um put a parlay on a correct scores both games and i wrote on it on sportsbook wire you can go check it out i don't know if they'll stand because they still got five minutes but it would it would be the sickest parlay i've ever hit so it was a plus 500 and a plus 600 so it's kind of just doing it for fun but uh you parlay the plus 500 and the plus 600 together yeah so what's the payout i think it was plus like 2100 Woo woo woo! Love that. Yeah, it would be it, it would be sick. I've not, but um, so if you're into sports or soccer betting, we also do that on Sportsbook Wire. Hopefully, uh, next week and as the Champions League and stuff continues, I'll have a couple more takes for you. But uh, I didn't love anything on this like tomorrow. All right, so you guys know the drill at home, and as do you, Nate. Let's wrap this one up with our final uh, our final segment with our best bets. We call going to the window. The bet slipping podcast. Going to the window. All right, so I have uh, I have five best bets, two in the NBA and three in the Honda Classic. I'll just give my NBA real quick. I'll go Chicago Bulls laying four and a half points, hosting the Atlanta Hawks, and I'll lay two and a half points in the Memphis Grizzlies visiting the Minnesota Timberwolves. Both games are this Thursday, um, February 24th. What do you got on your bet slip? So I have Knicks Heat, anything under 207.5. I have Auburn as a pick'em or as underdogs. And then I have Arkansas to minus 3.5. And then my last one is uh moving to the Honda Classic, and then you can give your three is a uh, CT Pan top 20 at plus 280. I don't hate that at all, actually. Damn, CT Pan, he got 10th in the uh in the Genesis. He's been playing pretty well lately. All right, so my outrights, I took Denny McCarthy, sprinkle a quarter unit on plus 6,000 to win the thing, uh, hitting the the top 20 plus 290 uh, for three-fourths of a unit. And then I'm taking Lucas Glover, um, sprinkling at plus 7,000 to win the Honda Classic, taking him at top 20 uh, plus 360 with a three-fourths of a unit. And then my head-to-head play is Russell Knox over Matthew Wolf. I should be, could be probably will be adding to this card and i'll tweet it out um tomorrow at some point but that's it for the bet slipping podcast uh we did some good work today nate i'm pretty happy we covered a lot of things like mostly everything really except for hockey yeah uh, yeah you even t- you even touched soccer that was impressive yeah i'll we'll, we'll be with some soccer next week and then hopefully nfl draft will start coming up we got march madness coming up so we got some cool things on the horizon. I'm dreading March Madness. Like I'm already oh. setting aside a uh, side money to just pretty much light on fire. Like there's no I way think, I win money in March. No I way. I think college basketball has been probably my best sport. Um, college basketball totals are. It feels like the easiest thing pre- to predict for me, at least. Last year, before the start of March Madness, I would I would I would like handicap one college basketball game like every couple of weeks, just like when I was bored with the NBA, and I was 
on fire. And then I got smacked around a little bit in March Madness. Did all right, but I, I lost. This year, it has just been a nightmare with college basketball. <laughs> I cannot get on the right side of almost. I think I started out pretty good, but it's just been a nightmare. Um, college basketball is tough, so kudos to you if you're running well in it, and hopefully you can keep it keep it going. Yep. All right, well, cool. that's it. That, that, that does it. Please do us a favor. Shout us out on social media or just leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, until, I don't know, next week. I, you guys might hear from me sooner than that, but peace. See ya. This is the Bet Slippin' Podcast. Featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. 